Good morning, everyone. We have a, a good number of people today. I'm, I'm very happy to see you here. So welcome to Every Nation. The main purpose of this church is to honor God and make disciples. At the moment, we are on the series about Amazing Grace. We've heard a lot of things about grace. But have we taken the time to see what the Bible really says about it? It's time to go deeper into God's Word and get a better look at the many facets of grace that saves us, sustains us, and empowers us to live freely in His amazing grace. So the past week, this week, we have been um, doing the fasting to start the year, and I guess all of those who have been fasting have been reading the devotional in the morning or in the afternoon and wherever. I think it's been amazing, you know, reading about how good God is, how gracious He is, how magnificent He is, is wonderful. So. I think this week, for many, probably has been a, a very fruitful week, but I also noticed that when people fast, they are always under attack as well. So I assume some of you have been under attack this week. But you know, the amazing grace of God is going to help us go through, because sometimes we see the grace of God as something that is given to us, just, you know, a gift. Uh, it's more than that. Grace is empowering. When we understand the love of God and His grace, it's, uh, that grace is always going to push us. Now, there is an app for those who haven't found this, and I love this because it's in Spanish. It's easier for me to say, Sublime Gracia. Oración, ayuno y consagración. That's so easy to say. <laughs> so the app is, is on, um, on the net. So you can download it. It's in different languages. Um, it's interesting, though, because even though I speak Spanish, I like reading in English. I find English to be straight, to the point. I don't know, Tagalog. But Spanish is... I don't know. If we want to get from here today, we go all the way around here to say the same thing. <laughs> then we can, yeah. Um, okay, so it's time to go into today's sermon. I think it was Monday when uh, we read something about justifying grace, okay? And, um, and, and the passage was Paul. Uh, Paul's letter to Titus. Titus was Paul's disciple. He was a young man. He was a Gentile who uh, became a believer. And Paul used him very often. He sent him to the church of Corinth with a second letter, which is not 2 Corinthians, because 2 Corinthians should be 3 Corinthians. But there is one letter that is, is missed. It's missing. They cannot find that letter. But he was sent with that and to sort out some problems. And he proved to be 
himself a very reliable person to the point that at a certain point in time, Paul decided to found a church in Crete. And he decided to leave this young man there as the main pastor. And the most important thing about this epistle, the letter to Titus, is to tell him how Christians should behave themselves among the unbelievers. So Christian conduct is very important for Paul in this letter. Because according to Paul's theology, being always precedes doing. People always have it the other way around. They try to do things to become something. But what Paul is telling us is that what we do is a direct result of who we are. Okay? What is in your heart is going to come out. And if you are a true Christian, it's going to show up. People are going to see that you are a true Christian. If you say that you are changed, your words might say one thing, but your life is important that your life has aligned with what you are saying. So, in chapter 3, in the first two verses, we are not going to read them, Paul described the proper conduct of uh, Christians um, toward government and toward other people. And then he goes on to say this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Paul tried to explain something that is, is very simple, and I think in these few verses, he tells us everything. If we can divide these three verses, we can probably start by saying that he was talking initially about the natural man. This is in verse 3. What does that mean? In Romans, Paul tells us that there is the natural man and the spiritual man. Before Christ, the natural man operated inside of us. But when we became Christians, what happened was that the spiritual man took over. Well, hopefully. That's according to the doctrine. We'll see if that happens in our daily lives. And then, well, talking about the natural man, he says, this is what we were at one time. You know, at one time, we were nothing like the person described in verses 1 and 2. You know, like being uh, a good citizen and being nice to other people. Because that's not the way we behave. At one time, Paul is saying, trying for them to remember the past. Some Christians don't want to remember the past. Yeah, 
look, I understand. Sometimes people remember the past gloating in what they used to do. And that's bad. We shouldn't do that. But we should remember the past because in a good way it forms the basis for humility. Because we can see where we were before and where we are now. And that also gives us compassion. To be compassionate to others. It's very sad to see too many Christians that become self-righteous. They were saved by God. They were saved by Jesus. They become Christians. They become believers. They start working with God. They start reading the Bible. And at one point they think that they are better than the rest. We should look at the world with compassion. You know, how many times, and this happened to all of us, we watch television or the news or whatever, and we see people doing things that they're horrible. And we say, how can they do that? You know why they do it? Because they don't know any better. Because they are living in darkness. So we cannot ask people who live in darkness to live like people that are living in the light. That's why Paul, in many letters, he's very, very kind to the ones outside. But he's tough with the ones inside. Because we are supposed to be changed. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, and deceived. This is a lifestyle of people without Christ. This is a way of thinking of people without Christ. Being foolish means that we were obstinate, okay? We didn't want to receive the truth. We didn't want to admit the truth of God. Disobedient involved a choice, you know? We didn't want to, um, we used to reject God's ways. We didn't want to live the lifestyle we had. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We, think, we thought we were doing right. And we were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We used to live a life, a life controlled by sin. How is your life now? Is it different? Is it still controlled by sin or controlled by God? Because that is what is going to tell you where you are. And our relationship with others were was no better because we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. I see this every day. You go on the net and you see people, you know, talking about other people and saying bad things. I go on the net to look for Christian preachers and I see people talking about them. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You shouldn't be a preacher or whatever. Everybody is talking about someone else. That shouldn't be. Because that was at one time for Christians. We should be different. If the grace of God has done something in us. But that's the way of the world. So Paul talks about the natural man and then moves on to talk about the work of salvation. You see, at one time, we were enslaved to depravity. But then Paul said something very interesting. He said, 
Something simple. But when? But when? And in saying that, he introduced a seismic shift, something that changes everything. Because something crucial, you know, happened in history. Something, something dramatic that changed everything. The kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. And this is what we call the incarnation. You know what the incarnation means? When God became man, God in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, you know, and there we see the kindness of God. Because we were lost, we were blind, we were far away from God, we decided to just go our ways, but he sent his son to be born in Bethlehem. To live an exemplary life. To die for your sins and for my sins. For, to die for the sins of the world. To pay the penalty because humanity is under judgment. Some people think, and they, they think that Jesus is going to send people to hell. Let me tell you something. Jesus is not going to send people to hell. I'm not saying that, that hell doesn't exist. People are going to hell already. When Adam and Eve, they fell from God's grace, they, from that day, they were under judgment. Humanity is lost. But Jesus came to open a door. On the cross, he died for our sins, and he went to the grave, and three days later, he was resurrected, and that is good news. The good news is that there is an opening, there is a way, there is a door through the cross, but going through the cross, something has to happen to us. We have to die. We have to die with him. That's why Jesus says, if someone wants to go after him, what that person has to do? Has to take the cross. And in Roman times, when people saw someone carrying a cross, they knew that person was going to die. Rescue us from the grip of corruption. It says here that he saved us. He saved us. You see, the work of salvation comes from God only. From his mercy. Not because of righteous things we had done. You see, the Hebrews, especially their leaders, they emphasize a lot about fulfilling the law, doing things properly. No, you have to do this. You have to follow the law in order to please God. They didn't understand that the law was there from God to show them that they weren't good enough. Because they were never, never, never going to fulfill the law. Only one person 
in history has fulfilled the law? Jesus Christ. But they emphasize so much on works. You do this, you do this, you tick this box, you tick this other box, you tick this other box, and you are going to please God. And there are some religions that they do the same, ticking boxes and hoping for one day, judgment day, to enter the presence of God because of them being good. But Isaiah 64, 6 states that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. I don't want to go very much into this, but filthy rags doesn't mean something stained with, I don't know, oil or whatever. It was something used by women to go through a process once a month. Do you get the picture? That was unclean in the eyes of the law. So what God is trying to say here that our acts are not good, are unclean. They are not good enough. You know, we try to reach up to God. Many religions try to appease God. You know, but that's not the way. The only way for salvation is for God to come down from heaven and step into the mud. Because we, we were in mud, we were dirty, filthy, to rescue us and to give us new life. And when he took us out of there, he did it because of his mercy. You see, salvation, salvation comes through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So this washing of rebirth, what does it mean? Some people think it means the baptism, but I think it's bigger than that. Because we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead, filthy. There was nothing good in us. But when God came to us because he came to us. He did everything for us. And he offered us the gift of salvation. The only thing we had to do was to receive or reject the gift. When we received the gift of salvation, then we were cleansed. You know, something happened. Everything changed in us. We were made new by God. And we were moved from the kingdom, kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's what the Bible said. Because when we were in the world, we were under Satan. He was our king. He was the one, you know, that was in charge. And we were doing his things. That's what we read in the previous verse. But once we are in Christ, we have been moved. So rebirth or regeneration is what the Bible calls, is the gift of a new nature. Again, we are a new creation, but the renewal by the Holy Spirit helps us grow into that new nature. You see, rebirth, regeneration occurs only once, when we come to Christ. But then we have the renewing, which is a progressive action of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is called sanctification. 
God, in the eyes of God, we are holy. In the eyes of God, we are perfect. And the funny thing is that in our daily life, we look at ourselves and we don't see ourselves perfect. We don't see ourselves holy. But you know what? We have to let the Holy Spirit keep working in us. Because he is going to transform us from glory to glory. That's what the Bible says. Do we still fail? Of course we do. And God has poured out, poured out this Holy Spirit on us generously. I think I probably skipped something there. But you know, we Christians are now dead to sin and alive to God. Dead to sin and alive to God. And you have to believe this. I want you to get it. We have to consider ourselves, according to Paul, dead to sin, but alive to God. We are a new creation. I don't want you to believe what the devil is trying to tell you in your ear. You see, let's say in heaven there are some books. I'm going to put it as an example only. And your name was there. And all your failures were there. And the verdict was at the bottom. Condemned. This person is condemned. Alejandro Cartes, because he has failed with this, that, 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 he is condemned to live away from God for eternity. But Colossians says, that all the decrees that were against us, when Jesus died, you know what he did with them? With what, with what was accusing us? He nailed them to the cross. And then, with his blood, he took a big stamp and put it on that page, with my name, with your name, saying, cancelled. Cancelled. So whoever wants to go there and point out what you used to be, they have to go through Jesus first. Because you are not that person anymore. Your debt has been paid for. And God has poured out his Holy Spirit on us generously. You see, God's grace is extravagant. That's the way God operates. God loved you even before you were born. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you. You were in God's mind. And he knew you were going to be here today. And if one of you still doesn't know God, I want to tell you today there is salvation for you. God is willing to forget your past and give you a new life, a clean slate to start new. And the result of salvation, Paul tells us God's purpose in providing salvation, saying this, so that having justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Jesus saves. 
those who trust in him by justifying them. Justification, we heard before, is make someone righteous. And uh, some people say that even he forgets everything in the past. Maybe he does. The Bible says in many places, though, that he is going to forget our sins. But I'm going to give you a definition of justification by Chuck Swindle. Justification is the sovereign act of God by which he declares the believing sinner to be righteous. Even while we are still in a sinning state, still engaged in periodic acts of sinfulness, moved by kindness, love, and mercy, the Lord declares us righteous in the court of heaven because of what his son has done on our behalf not because of what we can do for ourselves. A story is told of a guy many, many years ago, probably before the 1950s. An English guy, he had a Rolls Royce, and he um, put his car on a boat and went to the continent. And he started doing the rounds there, you know, having holidays. And while he was driving around Europe, something happened to the car, it stopped working. So the guy decided to telegraph the Rolls-Royce company in England. He told them, I'm having trouble with my car. What do you, do you suggest I do? So what they did, the Rolls-Royce company flew a mechanic over. So he fixed the car, flew back to England. And this guy kept driving. But a thought was in his mind. What do you think it was? How much is this going to cost me? And he was with him. So he came back to England and nothing was happening. He was expecting a letter and the letter wasn't coming. So he decided to write to them, asking them, you know, how much he owed them. And he received a letter back saying this, dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything even, ever went wrong with a Rolls-Royce. That is justification. That is justification. You see, what's God's name? When he introduced himself to Moses, what was his name? What did he say he was? I am. I am. What tense is that verb in? Present. He is always present. When we think of God, we think of God, you know, like when we talk about God living in eternity, we think of eternity like a line. You know, at school we used to have this um, history line, starting from here, the timeline, all the way to there. In math, we had minus infinity to plus infinity, okay? Uh, so we think that God's got lots of time. But we don't understand something. Time started when the universe was created. Who created the universe? <clears throat> Who created the universe? He's outside of time. So you see, we live here. But he lives in eternity. So everything is present to him. Now, do you think that the sin you're going to commit tomorrow, not that you are thinking of going and sinning, but you know, our human nature, we're going to sin tomorrow. We're going to say something we shouldn't. 
we're going to react in a way we shouldn't. Do you think that God forgot to put that sin on the cross? He didn't. He didn't. And this should help you relax a little bit. But not to go on sinning. But to go on praising God. Worshipping God for his love. For his abandoned love. For his abandoned grace. You see, we are not there yet. But we are not where we used to be. Because we used to be there. And we are heading to our heavenly home. And we are on the way. And as I said before, this is a process of, of justification. We have to let God work with us. And when we sin in one area, we have to bring it to God. If we need to bring it over and over, let's do it. Over and over. He's a gracious God. And he's going to change that. And maybe then we need to start working in another area. I mean, with him. Because he has to do it. So when we receive God's righteousness, it says that we share in his glory. And we become heirs. Heirs, sorry. Having the hope of eternal life. What does it mean that we become heirs? We are adopted. We are adopted into God's family. And Ephesians tells us that we get the riches of God. They become our inheritance. And what is that? Well, eternal life. The righteousness and holiness of God in our lives. And this is the best thing. An uninterrupted fellowship with God. We have access to God 24-7. We can come through the throne, to the throne of grace and ask him for forgiveness. And he's going to do it because he already did it on the cross. So he knows you. See, I like in the movies when someone is there and the other one says, I got you. I'm here. Don't worry. That's our Heavenly Father. You're in his hand. Just trust him. You see, this is justifying grace. We are not good. His son is. We are not righteous. His son is. We are not perfect. His son is. Nathan, come here. I just want you to stand here. Let's say this is his son, Jesus. He's got all the attributes. Good, perfect, righteous. And God is looking at me. When I am here, yeah, I'm dirty. I'm unclean. But when I follow Jesus, when I receive Jesus in my life, the Father sees Jesus. The Father sees me perfect, righteous, and good because he's looking through his son to me. We've been called apart to do good works. Remember that. We don't do good deeds in order to be saved. We do good deeds because we are already saved. And that is very important. So remembering your past 
I think it's necessary because it gives you humility, understanding, and a heart of thanksgiving. Trying to please God all the time. As we remember who we were once in the past, we can really see that what we have become is not because of us, it's because of Him. And this prepared the way, the heart for gratitude and towards God and to have love for one another. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for what you have done for us to send your Son pay the price we should have paid to live the life we should have lived and to die the way we should have died thank you because we are a new creation because you live in us just give us the strength to honor you with our lives give us the strength to live the life that shows you to the world that tell others that you are real because you are real you are real God this is not an imagination of us to believe that you are you are real you are strong when we are weak but you are strong in us when we see ourselves that we are not worthy you say you are worthy we believe what you say and we love you help us go on and we are so thankful for this justifying grace that you have given us that now in your eyes we are right we are righteous and we are perfect help us to see ourselves in that way Jesus I give you thanks name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you.